Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala Rasulihi al-Kareem amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. And we seek blessings, blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay, uh, once you're, uh, so just to, uh, we are on the third section of the first discourse, and so of the Thaxton edition, this is page five at the bottom. All this I said to the Parvana. Okay, go ahead. All this I said to the Parvana. I told him, you who have become the head of Is- Islamdom have said, I sacrifice myself and my intellect and all my power of deliberation and judgment for the continued existence and spread of Islam. But since you have relied upon yourself and not looked to God to realize that everything is from him, God has caused that very endeavor of yours to be the cause for the diminution of Islam. You have united yourself with a Tartar, whom you aid to annihilate the Syrians and, and Egyptians, and thus to lay waste to the realm of Islam. The very thing that was to be a cause for the expansion of Islam has become the cause for its diminishment. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... So, remember part one was about the scholars and the prince. So think of Bravana as the equivalent of the prince. And Rumi is a scholar. And so, we have the first section about the fact of giving and dedicating yourself to Allah Ta'ala and such. Then we have the second section of this, of, of the prophet, peace be upon him, and he's conquering these gafirs. And they are still too clueless to see what's going on. They're still looking through a material dunyawi external lens. And so Rumi is saying this now to the, to the prince. And so he says, you who become the head of Islamdom, okay, and you've said, I sacrifice myself, I sacrifice my whole being for the spread of Islam. Okay. So he's basically saying, the prince is saying, I'm dedicating my whole self for this. Okay, sort of, sort of how... Uh, supporters of Imran Khan feel about Imran Khan, how supporters of Erdogan feel about Erdogan, you know, something along those lines. But, what is Rumi saying? But since you have relied upon yourself and not looked to God to realize that everything uh, is from him, God has caused that very endeavor of yours to be the cause for diminution of Islam. So what is he saying? He's saying, I dedicate myself to Islam but he didn't actually dedicate himself to God. And by dedicating himself to Islam, he's sort of trying to be the savior and relying upon his own acumen and skills and brilliance and luck. When what is he really going to have to do? He has to surrender himself to Allah. If he doesn't surrender himself to Allah thoroughly, then he's just another leader. And if he's just another leader, then Islam is going to be more of a burden than, uh, than uh, a benefit. And so it follows that, okay, you're actually hurting the problem. You're hurting, or you're hurting the situation. Mm-hmm. Because what have you done? You've united yourself with the Tatars. You know, who are the Tatars? Aren't they like the nomadic people? Yeah, so these are essentially the Mongols. Okay. Uh, whom you aid to annihilate the Syrians and Egyptians and thus lay waste to the realm of Islam. Because you're cutting these deals mm-hmm. and you're cutting deals with the wrong people. And you're literally going against your own people. So the very thing that was to be the cause for the expansion of Islam has become the cause for its diminishment. And I think this is very a very fascinating t- uh, lesson about how uh, haqiqa and dunya work. So haqiqa is, is what the Sufi is aspiring to, seeing reality for what it is. But a lot of the rules of dunya are like literally the inverse of the rules for haqiqa. Meaning, if I have more material wealth, 
That itself is not a problem, but that is often the inverse of what I need to get closer to Allah. Okay. And and so someone who is of super high iman from a dunya perspective might be looked at as someone who's lost his mind. Okay. And and so just keep that general idea in mind that a lot of times the rules of haqiqa are literally the inverse of the rules of dunya. Okay, continue. Therefore, in this state, which is a fearful one, turn to God. Give alms that he may deliver you from this evil condition, which is fear. Do not despise of him. Despair. Even, oh, do not despair of him, even if he has cast you down from a state of obedience into disobedience. Because you thought your obedience was in and of yourself, you have fallen into disobedience. Even now, in this disobedience, despair not, but turn humbly to God, for he is almighty. If he turned that obedience into disobedience, he can turn this disobedience into obedience and give you repentance. He can provide you the means to strive anew on behalf of the propagation of Islam and to be a strength for Islam. Despair not, for none despaireth of God's mercy except the unbelieving people. Okay, so there's a lot of interesting points that he's saying here. Now, from a dunya perspective, I'm the one who is who is getting up and obeying Allah. I'm the one who is repenting, who is seeking forgiveness. Okay. From a haqiqa perspective, Allah is the one who's making me get up and obey Him. Allah is the one that is making me repent and turn back to Him. See the difference? Mm-hmm. And so, so, what is He being told to do? The state that you're in, which is fearful, okay, and I don't think He's saying that you're full of fear, mm-hmm. I think He's saying that you're in a precarious state. Okay. First thing you need to do is turn to Allah. Okay. And what is the recurring theme in all three sections? Give. Okay. And so give some zakat, give some sadaqah. Okay. Give and give and give. And what is that going to do? That is going to purify your heart. And then, inshallah, Allah may choose you to deliver you from this situation. Okay. And now he's speaking about fear. Then he may remove fear from your heart. Because it is out of fear that you're putting yourself into the precarious state. Okay? Next, do not despair of him. Okay? So that's the story of Iblis, the accursed devil, that he despaired of Allah, and thus he became a kafir. And so that is an option we don't have. But I think we talked about that last last uh, time with the, the kafirs who are basically mm-hmm. just giving up. Even if he has cast you down from a state of obedience into disobedience. So now think about this. I might be despairing, a'udhu because of my material case. Mm-hmm. The real way that I should be, if I'm going to despair, which I can't, would be because I've fallen into disobedience. Okay. Like, I am not fulfilling what Allah Ta'ala wants me to do. I'm not obeying Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what are we saying? That it's Allah Ta'ala who's choosing for me to obey Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do I make Allah Ta'ala choose me to obey Him? I mean, how do I coerce that, which is the wrong word? It's, I have to consciously surrender. So because you have thought your obedience was in and of yourself, you have fallen into disobedience. And so he wasn't still surrendering. He's obeying, he's fulfilling the prayers. But you know what happens sometimes? You know, comes, students come to my office and say, you know, why did I get such a bad grade? I made all my prayers. Well, then that means you weren't surrendering. You were just making your prayers so that Allah gives you a good grade. And so it's literally what we have here. So, you know, I made all my prayers, I did all my fasts, why is my kingdom falling apart? Because you didn't actually surrender. It's like you're trying to cut a deal with Allah. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm going to give you this many rakats, mm-hmm. 
this many fasts? Okay, you give me this. That's not surrender. Because surrender is what? Surrender is saying, do as you will with me. Okay, so even now in this disobedience, despair not. So again, what is his disobedience? His disobedience is not that he's skipping prayers. His disobedience is that he's not surrendering. Which means he's not surrendering his heart, his aspirations. Despair not, but turn humbly to God, for he is almighty. Now here we have another point of relationship to develop. That if I truly take Allah as almighty, then the approach I have to be is in complete submission. Okay, that part rationally makes sense. But in the context of the dunya that I own, my approach has to be, Ya Allah, you own this and you are all powerful and you can do whatever you want with this. You can even humiliate me. And because you own me, you are free to do that and I am going to find that good. I am going to be pleased with that. So were you, were you there for Night of Lights last week? Yeah, I think you were there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned in terms of parts of Iman, one mm -hmm. I mentioned was Rida. Okay. And so what we want is to be pleased with whatever Allah does for us. Mm -hmm. The challenge is it's easy to try to be pleased if Allah does good for us, mm -hmm. but to even try to be pleased when he hits it with struggle. Okay. And so that is closer to what a person should seek. Meaning, okay, yeah, Allah, these are my goals, but you own me, you own the dunya, do whatever you will with me, and I'm going to be pleased with it. Now you are surrendering. If he turn that obedience into disobedience, he can turn the disobedience into obedience and give you repentance. So in the way he can turn the day into night, and the night into day, he can flip you around as well. You basically, your job is to take step one, which is, Ya Allah, I surrender. And I'm comfortable in surrender, and I'm happy in surrender. Yeah, he can provide you with the means to strive anew on behalf of the propagation of Islam and to be a strength for Islam. And so he can make it happen. Once again, do not despair. None despairs of the mercy except for the unbelieving people. So think about the fact that he keeps saying do not despair. Because mm -hmm. <coughs> that is the direction that he is headed towards. Mm -hmm. Okay, continue. Mm -hmm. My purpose was to make him understand, to give alms, and humble himself before God. For not, for, for from a most exalted position, he had come to a low state, even in which he should be hopeful. Mm -hmm. right. Keep going, so I think that's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. yeah. God works in mysterious ways. Things may look good outwardly, but there may be evil contained inside. Mm -hmm. Let no one be deluded by pride that he himself has conceived good ideas or done good deeds. If everything were as it seemed, the prophet would not have cried out with such illuminated and illuminating Perspicacity. Perspicacity, yeah. Show me things as they are. You make things appear beautiful when in reality they are ugly. You make things appear ugly when in reality they are beautiful. Show us therefore each thing as it is, lest we fall into a snare and be, no, be ever errant. Okay. Uh, this is a dua that if you don't already make, uh, at least the first sentence I recommend making. Okay. Allahumma arini haqiqati ashia kamahia which is, oh Allah, show me the things of, uh, as they are, mm -hmm. or show me the reality of things as they are. Um, and so I don't like this translation, God works in the mysterious ways, because we often uh, uh, read that to mean that okay, he answers prayers whatever way he mm -hmm. wants. What we're saying here is that he works in the realm of the mystery, okay. in the realm of the unknown. Okay. So things may look good outwardly, but there may be evil contained inside. Again, we understand this rationally, but taking deeper, what are we saying? Is that just like I was saying that the uh, the basic rule is that dunya is the inverse very often of haqiqah, and that applies to things like beauty, that applies to things like uh, success, 
And, and so don't be deluded by pride that he himself has conceived good ideas or done good deeds. Meaning, why? Because Allah Ta'ala who made you do it. If you yourself take credit for it, then you're going down the wrong path. So what is the essential battle? It's surrender to Allah or surrender to your nafs. Okay. Meaning surrender to Allah or narcissism. Mm -hmm. That is the essential battle. So it's as though your heart it has an arrow mm -hmm. and either it's pointing to Allah mm -hmm. or in every other scenario, like a love of dunya, mm -hmm. it's pointing to yourself really. And so if everything was as it seemed, then the Prophet wouldn't be making this dua. Yeah. You make things appear beautiful when in reality they are ugly and you make things appear ugly when in reality they are beautiful. So another way to change this is you make things appealing or there are things that we find appealing mm -hmm. that in reality are repulsive. And there are things that we find repulsive that in reality, reality are the most appealing of things. Okay. Show us therefore each thing as it is, lest we fall into a snare and be ever errant. So what else is part of the design of dunya? The design of the dunya is to fool you. It is calling you. Okay. And I don't remember if we talked about it here, but the word dunya itself uh, essentially means like this world. Mm -hmm. If you go a little bit more into its etymology, it means um, something that is low. Okay. If you go deeper into its etymology, it's something that you're reaching for, mm -hmm. but just as you're about to get it, it escapes you. Mm -hmm. And so dunya is always doing dawa to you. Okay. Okay. But now, two, di two dimensions. Everything in dunya is doing dawa ilallah. It's calling you to Allah. Okay. Okay? But your eyes mm -hmm. are the different part of dunya. Okay. There, your eyes are seeing things in a way you want to, mm -hmm. and your eyes are calling you to look at things and reach for them. Okay. okay. And your eyes are basically a tool of your nafs. Okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So this plant is saying, look at my beauty uh -huh. and think of my creator. Mm -hmm. But when I am looking at the plant, I am looking at, all right, it looks kind of messy, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I need to clean it up. So mm -hmm. I'm not even seeing the plant. And what, so what my eye is seeing mm -hmm. is dunya. Okay. The plant itself is doing that way, la la. Okay. Okay. And, and then, okay, continue. Now your judgment. Now your judgment, however good and clear it may be, is not better than his. And he spoke as he did. Don't rely on your every thought and opinion, but humble yourself before God and fear him. Such was my purpose in speaking to the Parvana. However, he applied this verse and this interpretation to his own strategy, saying, At this time, when we are moving our troops, we must not rely on them. Even defeated, we must not despair of him in time of fear and helplessness. He applied my words to his own design, whereas my purpose was as I have said. Okay, well, that's interesting. So, so what? Now, your judgment, however, is in good and clear. Maybe you're not going to be better. You're not mm -hmm. smarter than the Prophet, peace be upon him. And another small side point about the Prophet, peace be upon him, is that we often emphasize that he was perfect in character. We mm -hmm. also leave out the fact that is important that he is brilliant. Mm -hmm. He's smarter than all of us. Yeah. So if there was literally like a maximum IQ and EQ, mm -hmm. he would be at the max. Okay. Good. And, and so don't rely upon your every thought and opinion, but humble yourself. Again, the key is your surrender. Mm -hmm. That's the key in in the uh, like the primary advice being given to the head of state. Okay. So he's saying that's what my purpose was, but what did he do? He took all those teachings and he literally made them fit into what he was already doing. So he still didn't get the point that you must surrender 
Instead, what he understood is, okay, we should just be humble. We should be modest. Okay, which probably translated as, okay, we should be more frugal in spending and such. As opposed to surrender, which is saying, yeah, Allah, you can give your 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 reward, your barakah, your bounties, mm-hmm. your risk to whomever you want. Do whatever you want with me. Mm-hmm. And so this is often the problem uh, from the teaching perspective. Uh, okay, let's go to number two. Okay. Someone said our master is not saying anything. All right, so here we are. It's a number of students that are sitting okay. with the sheikh, and he's silent. Okay. okay. Well, I replied, this person has been projected up to my presence by a mental image of mine. This image of mine did not ask him, how are you, or how do you do? My mental image attracted him here without the use of words. If my reality attracts him without words and can remove him hence to another place, what is so strange about that? Okay, so this is another interesting point uh, in terms of the subtleties that, okay, you know, uh, sometimes if you keep thinking about a person, you don't miss them because you're driving joy and thinking about mm-hmm. them. Okay. But what you can also do by thinking about a person is make things manifest. And the first thing you're manifesting, of course, is your own heart. Mm-hmm. Okay? But if you're thinking about a person, you're also getting more attracted to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we just talked before this about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The more I thought about Star Wars as a kid, the more I became attracted to Star Wars. And so what we're going to see is that that he's going to say that, you know, the speaking is not the thing. It's how do I develop an affinity for something or someone? And so I should think about it and I think good about it. And so you will often find, you know, the Sufi Sheikh will have the student, especially a new student, Mm -hmm. will just sit down and they'll just be quiet together. You know, maybe some light chat, but they'll Mm -hmm. just be quiet is uh, to literally bring their hearts to attach to each other. So there's the physical pledge, the physical Mm bay'ah, which essentially becomes symbolic. It's the heart connecting and becoming united. That's the actual connection. And so, yeah, so I reply, this person has been projected up to my presence by a mental image of mine. So it's as though he's in front of me. This image of mine did not ask him, how are you, how do you do? My mental image attracted him here without the use of words. If my reality attracts him without words and can remove him hence from another place, what's so strange? And so we're saying that's also a type of reality that in our language we might say it's imagination. But we're saying it's a real thing. I can continue. Words are but shadows of reality. They are, as it were, a branch of reality. If the shadow can attract, how much more so can the reality attract? Okay, so it's continuing the point. Uh, words, now first let's not minimize words to mm-hmm. really understand this point. That we have a notion that all right, if you just say something it's kind of meaningless and so people don't realize how serious gossip is. Mm-hmm. But think of gossip as something ultra destructive. Okay. okay? And so, so when we're being taught that gossip is equivalent of eating the flesh of your dead brother, now, attach this to this point of, of attraction. You're thinking of, of a person in a way in which you want to devour them. Mm-hmm. Okay? As opposed to thinking of someone in a way in which you want to find them appealing. And so that is literally the effect of gossip. Okay? In your brain, you're literally trying to devour that person. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you're destroying that relationship. 
Now, when you say gossip, now you're putting that in someone else's mind. Okay. Okay? Now, and so the point I'm making is think of words as very, very heavy. Okay. Okay? Even though it takes no effort, it's very, very potent. So now having said that, even words being that powerful, they're still just a shadow of reality. They're sort of a hint of reality. Okay? They're a reflection. You know, so shadow is a better word, meaning here's the reality, but I'm sharing in my words what the reality is, but I'm not capturing reality. Okay. Okay. So think of how strong the reality is itself. So we can talk about you or there's you. Naturally, okay. the real you is much more. Mm -hmm. okay. And so let's continue. Words are just pretext. It's not, it is the element of sympathy that attracts one man to another, not words. If a man should see a thousand prophetic or saintly miracles, it will profit him nothing if he does not have sympathy with a prophet or a saint. It is that sympathetic element that unsettles and disquiets. Were there no element of sympathy to amber and straw, then straw would never be attracted to amber. The sympathy between them is hidden. However, it cannot be seen. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, the affinity that two people have, that's the actual force, okay. right? And so this is a wonderful example. So the prophet, peace be upon him, could have done a thousand miracles. Mm -hmm. But if the witness doesn't have affinity for the prophet, it's meaningless. And so related to this is the point that I often make to, to, to young people, but applies to everyone. Mm -hmm. If you start talking to someone, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to develop feelings for them. Mm -hmm. That's just reality about how human nature works. Okay. But the key in terms of what Rumi is speaking about is that's the essence of our interaction. It is to have this sympathy for each other. Okay. So, I mean, now the word we use more often is empathy. What's the difference mm -hmm. between sympathy and empathy? Uh, is an empathy like feeling for that person, but sympathy is like feeling bad? Or so, like... so sympathy is more like, I know what you're feeling. Okay. Right? Yeah. Empathy is, I, feel I don't know it, but oh, I feel okay. it. Yeah or I'm trying to feel it yeah. with you and for you. And so sympathy, there's, this, there's the, the idea, well, pathos is the feeling, but sympathy, mm -hmm. it's like trying to become one. Okay. So. And so if you have, uh, when you are uh, developing a relationship with someone, mm -hmm. collegial, professional, mm -hmm. you know, family, whatever it is, you want to proceed it with this desire, this sympathetic desire. Okay. But in the context we're talking about, what are we really speaking of? I want to have this sympathetic desire with the Prophet, peace be upon him. And even greater than that, to become closer to Allah Ta'ala. Okay. But the starting point to understand how to do that is person to person. Okay. Okay, continue. The mental image of anything brings man to that thing. The image of garden leads him to a garden. The image of shop to a shop. There is, however, a deception hidden in these images. Don't you see that often when you go to a place, you're disappointed and say, I thought it would be better. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. These images are like shrouds, and one can hide beneath the shroud. When the images are dispelled and the realities appear without the shroud of the mental image, there is, real, there is a re reawakening. When the case is thus, there is no occasion for disappointment. The reality that attracts you is nothing other than itself. The day whereon all secret thoughts and actions shall be examined into. Okay. So now let's add some more dimensions to this conversation. The mental image of anything brings man to that thing. Okay, so he's saying garden will bring you to a garden, shop to a shop. And what are we saying? That if you're thinking about something, you're developing yearning for it. Okay. 
So replace the word sympathy with yearning. So if you start thinking about, like, what's a food deal? Do you like samosas? No. What do you like? Coffee. Okay, so imagine, you know, a delicious, and you like hot coffee? Yeah. Or what do you like? Black or what? With cream. Okay, so now imagine mm -hmm. that, okay? That is creating a yearning in you for that. Mm -hmm. Which, if the yearning is strong enough, you don't even have to think about it, it's going to make you go walk to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that is something you're controlling yourself. So in the previous uh, lesson, we talked about complete surrender. Mm -hmm. okay? Now what we're adding to surrender is yearning. Mm -hmm. And so there's a deception in the image because your coffee in your mind mm -hmm. is likely going to be better than the physical cup of coffee you're going to get. Because it might be the wrong temperature. It might mm -hmm. just have the wrong taste. Mm -hmm. you know? It might not have enough whipped cream. Mm -hmm. And so again... So we're speaking about dunya versus haqiqa, mm -hmm. and then you have dunya versus haqiqa versus imagination. Mm -hmm. And so your imagination is often going to be better than dunya. Okay. Um, your imagination is often going to be uh, uh, better than the reality. Mm -hmm. But your dunya, your eyes are being driven by the imagination, okay. which is deception. Okay. So imagination is deception. Imagination is a type of deception. Okay. And again, the deception is not necessarily bad. Okay. Because, so what do you do? Change your yearning to something you want to do, like sajda. Mm -hmm. And then have a yearning and then put in imagination the pleasure mm -hmm. of doing sajda. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <coughs> so, it's a deception that can you can control. Mm -hmm. But usually we let it control us. Don't you see that when you go to a place, you are disappointed to say, I thought it would be better. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. This is especially the case. Replace this idea of place with a romantic partner. Mm -hmm. That you're infatuated and all you see is perfection mm -hmm. and then your imagination is better than what the reality is. Mm -hmm. So that's a part of uh, Leila and Majnun I always like to quote, mm -hmm. where Majnun is losing his mind in the forest. He's obsessed mm -hmm. with Leila. Leila finally comes to him and says, okay, I will marry you. And he mm -hmm. says, leave me alone. I'm too busy you know, in love with Leila. Mm -hmm. yeah. <coughs> These images are like shrouds and one can hide beneath a shroud. So what is hiding beneath the shroud? It could be shaitan. Shaitan is saying, come to me, come to me, come mm -hmm. to me. Right? But what you're seeing is just the image. Mm -hmm. When the images are dispelled and the realities appear without the shroud, then there is a reawakening. Because now you're being shown what reality is. Mm -hmm. So the reality that attracts you is nothing other than itself. The day wherein all secret thoughts and actions shall be examined. So let's talk about the day of judgment. Mm -hmm. So one aspect of the day of judgment is all these veils mm -hmm. are going to be truly lifted. And you're going to see everything for what it really is. I've got a funny example. Uh, a teacher of mine who, um, you might have even heard these jokes. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if your family cr uh, crossed paths. So he won't mind me repeating this joke. So he just had his cataracts removed. And I mm -hmm. asked him, you know, how's your eyes? Mm -hmm. And he goes, my mirror lies to me. And, you know, the joke being that now he's seeing himself clearly, right? And, and so he kind of wants his cataracts back. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so you're going to see reality for what it is. And so I don't know if it'll be here, but the analogy of what dunya really looks like mm -hmm. is the analogy it gives is, like, is an old withered woman. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, aside from the, the gender issues here, mm -hmm. you know, that 
you know, when we think of someone really old and withered, mm -hmm. we do not usually think of that as somebody attractive. Mm -hmm. And that is what reality really is, mm -hmm. dressed up as royalty. Okay. Okay, continue. What is, what is this of which we are speaking? In reality, the attractor is one, but it appears to be many. Don't you see how a person often has a hundred different wants? I want vermicelli, I want pastry, I want sweets, I want fritters, I want fruits, I want dates. These appear to be many different wants that have been expressed verbally. The origin of them all, however, is one, and that is hunger. Don't you see that when the same, the same person has had his fill or, or any one of these things, he will say, I don't need any of the rest? It is obvious, therefore, that there were not ten things or a hundred, but only one. We have expressed a number of them only for an occasion of discord. This multiplicity among people is deceiving, for they say this is one and these are a hundred. That is, they say that a saint is unique while they may call a hundred or a thousand. This is a great deception. This way of thinking you have, you have that calls the many multiples and the one unique is extremely deceptive. We have expressed the number of them only for an occasion of discord. Which hundred? Which fifty? Which sixty? People lost and uncontrolled, without reason, mindless, like a talisman, they quiver like mercury and quicksilver. Will you, will you call them sixty, a hundred, a thousand, and yet call this one one? You might as well call them nothing, and him a thousand, or a hundred thousand, or a thousand thousand. Few if counted, many in force. Okay. So, first part of this. <clears throat> when we're talking about attraction. Mm -hmm. okay. And so we're using different terms that are all in the same universe. Sympathy, yearning, attraction. Okay. Uh, and a person, every person has one core want, mm -hmm. which we'll figure out in just a second. Mm -hmm. But the example to make that every person wants just has one core want mm -hmm. is, let's say, you know, you're hungry and you get 15 different things mm -hmm. down here in the atrium, in the food mm -hmm. court. And you eat one of those things, mm -hmm. and now you're full. Mm -hmm. okay. Because the issue is just you're hungry. And then, and then you then translated the hunger into cravings. Mm -hmm. I want this, I want this, mm -hmm. I want this. If you filled your stomach, then in theory, the craving would be gone. But sometimes you still have the craving. Mm -hmm. okay. So if you think of all of the things that you yearn for, whatever it could be, grades, family, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. All the things that you yearn for are actually one yearning. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when we speak of the dua, the dua of the heart is one yearning, mm -hmm. and that is to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Okay. But when you are not feeling that proximity to Allah Ta'ala, mm -hmm. then you overcompensate by seeking something else. So, you know, like there's a, a, there's this meme that's really good. It says alcohol is not the gateway drug. Marijuana is not the gateway drug. Um, it's that brokenness inside that's actually the gateway drug that is leading you to alcohol or marijuana. So now let's take it a step further. We're saying the actual yearning you have is to get closer to a law. You don't realize that that's what you have. Most people don't realize that's what they have. And so you have this unsettledness, mm -hmm. and then you try to compensate for the unsettledness. One person does by buying things. Mm -hmm. Another person does by drinking. Another mm -hmm. person does by spending time with others. Another person mm -hmm. does by watching TV. Another mm -hmm. person does by, by, by um, whatever else, sleeping. Mm -hmm. 
but the actual yearning mm-hmm. is to get closer to Allah. Which means what? All of your du'as that you're asking for, mm-hmm. including give me an A in this mm-hmm. exam, get me into whatever professional mm-hmm. school, uh, make you know such and such be happy with me. Mm-hmm. The actual prayer of your heart, like if you ask, why do I want this? You know, because I want to, I want this so I have prosperity. Why? Because I want to not worry about things. Mm-hmm. Why? You're seeking rahma, mm-hmm. but at the core, what you're really seeking, the one thing you're really seeking, is to get closer to Allah. So then, so that's the first part. Mm-hmm. You get that, yeah? yeah. Now the second part, in talking about people, mm-hmm. we often express them in terms of the number of people. Okay. But in terms of relationship with Allah, this one sheikh, this one wali, might be equal to a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Of those people okay. Okay. and yet we might think of this sheikh as the one or just an anomaly okay. and so how does this even play out like uh, uh, when we speak of the history of religion from a secular perspective we say most religion was idol worship mm-hmm. and then the Abrahamics came along later but we're saying that you had Adam mm-hmm. you know we had Nuh okay. you had Ibrahim from a material perspective they were just seemingly these uh, hard to find people in the mix of humanity mm-hmm. But each one of those people was worth in terms of connection to Allah and religiousness and influence mm-hmm. worth 100,000 of another people. Okay. So. And again, the key point being that the external is often deceptive. Mm-hmm. And thus numbers can be deceptive. Okay, continue. I have a question about yeah. the realizing the one thing that you want. Is that like a realization that people have or is that just like... Do, do, do people ever have that realization, or is that just a fact? Well, I do think, uh, so number one, it is a fact. Yeah. But I do think um, uh, some people do get a taste of it. Okay. And people who are actually working on it, that's where they really derive pleasure from. Okay. Yeah. So when uh, Imam al-Ghazali is speaking of the alchemy mm-hmm. of happiness, he's saying the essence of happiness is to get closer to Allah. Okay. And that makes your soul happy. Okay. Okay. And so once you start, so in the same way that, all right, you know, let's say you have vanilla ice cream for the Mm -hmm. first time in your life and it gives you such joy you want Mm -hmm. more. So the type of joy you can get from actual deep Dean Mm -hmm. is one such that once you taste of it, you want more. And, and so you can develop an understanding that this is what you really want. So a little bit more. A king once gave a single soldier enough rations for a hundred men. The army objected, but the king said to himself, The day will come when I will show you why I do this. On the day of battle, all fled except for that one man who stood and fought. Here's my reason for what I did, said the king. Okay, so that makes pretty much sense, right? Yeah. The king sees all the soldiers, and he sees who's his super soldier. Yeah. Yeah. And so he took more care of that person. Mm-hmm. So now, in this book, the kings become metaphors for Allah and the servant. Okay. Yeah. And so what does that mean? that the saint, the wali, mm-hmm. is going to be given far more attention from Allah Ta'ala. Okay. But from a dunya perspective, what does that mean? Perhaps far more suffering. Oh. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> yeah, it started out pretty so- awesome sounding, because that's what yeah. we're taught, right? Yeah. That if Allah loves one, someone, he gives you struggle. Because yeah. what does struggle do? It's, it's purifying your heart, it's wiping away your sins. Yeah. And, and so... So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it all sounded pretty wonderful <laughs> until we added reality. Because, yeah. once again, the rules of dunya are often the opposite yeah. of the process of mm-hmm. haqiqah. 
And so the king, in the dunya sense, gave this person the most rations, the most food, because yeah. he knew that this person is really going to run the hardest and therefore also needs yeah. the most energy and such. Yeah. So where does your spiritual energy come from? Yeah. Suffering. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll stop right here. Alright. Because that's a, a nice, Perfect. heavy point. Perfect place to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Any other questions about anything? Mm-hmm. So. All right. So, I mean, there's also this other teaching yeah. that if you, you know, for someone goes on the path of knowledge, mm-hmm. I'll open us up for them the path of paradise. Yeah. And so one way to understand that is that, okay, now it's giving you focus and direction, mm-hmm. but it also means that you're probably going to have more suffering. Mm-hmm. So we've talked here and there about, you know, you know, people flipping out over this sheikh and that yeah. sheikh and, and sheikhs are not above criticism, yeah. but what's often overlooked is that the common, truly pious sheikh mm-hmm. you meet is probably going through all kinds of suffering that the lay person would not even be able to handle. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, we'll All stop right. here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafiru kuna tubi ilayk. Wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.